Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. This morning's message is entitled, We Have Seen His Glory. We Have Seen His Glory. And I would like to read a verse from Isaiah chapter 6 to start with. This is what the seraphim were crying to each other that Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The whole earth is full of His glory. God gave Isaiah the prophet a glimpse of His glory in Isaiah 6. And he sees these the highest angels in heaven, the seraphim, and they are crying, holy, holy, holy. They must cover their faces with two of their wings. And these are beings who had never sinned, but even these sinless beings, the highest angels in heaven, could not look directly upon God's glory. So they had to cover their faces as they were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the whole earth being full of God's glory. And we get little glimpses of God's glory as we look around this earth. Like, for example, when we see a beautiful sunset. You see a, a beautiful, stunning sunset. That, that is just a glimpse a tiny, tiny taste of God's glory. When we see something like the Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon, just that's, that's a, a tiny taste of God's glory. When we see even something like a monarch butterfly, I mean, have you ever thought about this? This is a this is a bug. This is an insect. And look how God clothes an insect with such beauty. Or when we see a cardinal in, in our backyard. We, we, Christy and I have cardinals in our backyard. And when I, when I see one of these birds, I just think, this is, this is a, a creature that God just clothes with such beauty. But I think we can kind of get used to seeing God's glory and not really appreciate it. It's all around us. Sometimes we can be like I was a number of years ago, a few years ago. Christy and I had the opportunity to travel to Ireland with another couple who are friends of ours. And um, 
It is beautiful. And at first, I was just amazed at the beauty of, the, of, of Ireland, the, the hillsides, the luscious green hillsides and valleys. But after a while, I began to fail to appreciate them. And at one point, as we rounded a corner and I looked down upon this gorgeous green valley, I said, oh, look, another stunning, breathtaking vista. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, here's another one. We, we can just fail to appreciate the glory of God that's all around us. And the whole earth is full of God's glory. But, but what we want to talk about this morning is God has given us a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ that outshines all the glory of the world put together. And someday, we who believe in Jesus will look full on His face in all His glory. I can't even imagine what that will be like. So let's pray. Lord, we thank You for all the songs we sang this morning. We thank You for coming to earth and revealing Your glory to us. We just pray this morning, Lord, that You would speak to us by Your Holy Spirit through Your Word. You would build our faith. Give us hope for the day when we will look full upon Your glory. And pray, Lord, for every church in this area that is preaching Your Gospel, Lord. We pray that You would bless everyone this morning. You would pr- Lord, we pray that You would save people in every one of these churches this morning. Save people here. Bring people to know You who have never known You before. We just pray You would do that for Your glory, Lord, all over this area. And please just help me, Lord, Help me to serve your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the verse that I really want to focus on this morning is John 1.14. And that says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the last two Sundays, Joe spoke on, from the first chapter of John. He just did a great job. If you have not listened to those messages, you can listen online. And I would recommend it. They were just really wonderful messages. And uh, this is kind of the final one in this series before Christmas. So the first thing this says is, is the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus, and we've sung about this this morning, Jesus Christ... God Himself became a human being. And the Word became flesh. Well, the Word, when John says the Word, he is referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's ultimate and final Word to us. He is the ultimate Word of God. He is the ultimate revelation of what God is like and who God is. And so the book of John begins with this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made 
that was made. So, this says, in the beginning was the Word. At the beginning of all creation, at the beginning of the creation of heaven and the angels, was the Word. In other words, Jesus had no beginning. He always was. He has always existed as God. Jesus was not created. Jesus was not born sometime in eternity past of the Father, as some cults would say. He simply was from all time. says, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus was with God the Father. Jesus and the Father are two distinct persons. Jesus is God. The Father is God. And the Bible also says the Holy Spirit is God. But there are not three gods. There are three persons in one God. Now, we can't understand this or grasp this with our minds. It's a mystery. But God is infinitely above us in, our be- in His being. So we, we trust the, His Word, and that's what it says. There's only one God, and as God, all things had their beginning in Jesus. Verse 3 says, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus created with the Father. Jesus created the heavens and earth, the stars, the galaxies. He created the angels. Jesus even created all the angels that fell and rebelled against God. Jesus existed as God for all eternity. He had no needs Jesus didn't need to create us. It wasn't like Jesus was sort of unfulfilled or bored. So, you know, I'm just kind of bored being God up here in heaven. Maybe I'll create a universe. No. Jesus had no needs. He didn't need us. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4 says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Compared to the heavens, the moon, the stars, we are dust. We are less than dust. We are specks. We are less than specks compared to the the universe. And the whole universe is less than a speck compared to God who is infinite. So why in the world would God care for us who are less than ants compared to humans even? Why would God care for us? Especially when we have all completely sinned against our Creator. We've all, every human being, except for Jesus Christ, every human being rejected God, has spit in God's face, said we don't need Him or care about Him, ignored Him, 
disobeyed Him, rejected and, and rebelled against Him. Why in the world would God care about us? Why would Jesus become flesh and dwell among us? Well, for some reason, ultimately for God's glory and God's praise, Jesus became a man, took on human flesh and weakness, and dwelt among us to save us from our sins and bring us to Himself. This passage in Philippians 2 is just incredible. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from His love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, or have this mindset, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the ultimate come down. This is the ultimate humiliation. Jesus humbled Himself. He humiliated Himself in a sense. If you will, it was an infinite humiliation. And if we, if we humble ourselves to serve others, that is not an infinite humiliation or an infinite humbling. But God, because Jesus is an infinite being, because He's glorious above all other beings, for Him to do that was an infinite humbling of Himself. And why did He do this? Why did Jesus become a human being? Because in His infinite humility, He counted us more significant than Himself. He looked to our interests. That's incredible. God, the infinite One, the ruler of all, who had every reason and every right to destroy us forever, to snuff us out. He became a servant. And He humbled Himself, became obedient to His Father, even to death on a cross, in order to save us and bring us to God. I mean, think about this. I, I can't even fathom this. The infinite, glorious God takes on human flesh in all its weakness. He is born a helpless baby. Jesus couldn't even feed Himself. He was totally dependent on His mother and father to care for Him. He was laid in a manger, a trough 
for feeding animals. Laid in this dirty hay, probably, with animals spit in it. I assume. Jesus, Jesus experienced hunger and thirst. The God of all creation who had no needs whatsoever experienced hunger and thirst. He became weary. He got tired. He had to sleep. He experienced pain. And we cannot even begin to fathom the pain that Jesus endured when He was beaten and scourged and nailed to a cross. And then having spikes driven through His hands and feet. And then the ultimate, the ultimate humiliation, God credited all our sins to Jesus as if Jesus had committed them. God in His infinite holiness will not look upon sin. And Jesus, He credited all of my sins, every sin I've ever committed in my life, every one of your sins, He placed on Jesus as if Jesus had committed them. And Jesus, who had always known from all eternity perfect fellowship with the Father, He experienced somehow the ultimate darkness that we should have experienced. And he cried out, My God, my God, where have you forsaken me? It was as a way of expressing that he could not feel any fellowship with his Father. He was not experiencing the fellowship with his Father that he had always known because he was viewed by God as having committed all our sins, even though he didn't commit any sins ever. They were credited to Him. Now because Jesus became human, He can sympathize with us. And I appreciated the words that were shared this morning that when we're going through things, Jesus loves us. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus knows what it's like for us because He became a human. And so Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize. He knows what it's like. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what we're going through. It says He was tempted in every respect as we are yet without sin. Jesus was tempted to anger. Jesus was tempted to lust. Jesus was tempted to doubt God. Jesus was tempted to give up. And the temptations Jesus experienced were greater than any temptation we will ever experience. Jesus experienced the temptations to the max and yet never sinned. You know, I I think at times Jesus was tempted by Satan himself. I, I, I don't know if this is the case or not, but I think like if Satan is thinking about tempting me, he'd probably think, 
I don't need to bother with that guy. <laughs> He's so weak. You know, where's one of my minions? You know, you, you go tempt him. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how it all works because the Bible does say we are tempted by the devil. But I know that Jesus Christ experienced the maximum temptations of, in every area. And I, I don't know how that all works, but he, he experienced it like we will never experience temptation. Yet Jesus never sinned, and so He's sympathetic. So when we come, He says, come boldly to the throne of grace in your weakness and when you're struggling and when you're tempted and when you're fearful and when you're depressed and when you're sad. Come to Me. Come to Me when you're tempted. And Jesus, when we cry out to Jesus, Jesus doesn't just say, well, why are you struggling with that? Just stop it. Quit it. No, Jesus isn't like that. Jesus says, I, I know what it's like. I know what you're going through, and I'm going to give you strength. So no matter, no matter what you're going through this morning, no matter what, how you're tempted, come to the throne of grace. Jesus is waiting there for you with open arms. Oh man, I just, I just, at times I fail to sympathize. I just can't know what it's like for others in every situation because I haven't struggled in the same ways. I haven't been through everything you guys have been through. I, can, I cannot even fathom, but Jesus can. He never fails to sympathize. Now, this verse also says that Jesus revealed his glory to us. And so John says, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father. And I thought about this as I was studying this and preparing. John saw Jesus' glory in, 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 in some ways. He, he didn't see the infinite glory of Jesus like we will all see someday. But he saw something of Jesus' incredible glory. John and the other disciples saw a glimpse of Jesus' glory. And John says, I, I've seen enough. I've seen enough that it, I know it was the glory as of the only Son from the Father. And I thought, well, w when did John see Jesus' glory? Well, on the Mount of Transfiguration was one place. In Matthew 17 it says, And after six days... Jesus took with Him Peter and James and John His brother, John who wrote this Gospel, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and He was transfigured before them, and His face shone like the sun, and His clothes became white as light. They saw something of the glory of Jesus. His face shone like the sun. And, and, and as I thought about this, I thought, we can't even look directly on our sun without it hurting our eyes if we looked at it for very long. Jesus' face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. Well, that was one instance where John saw Jesus' glory. But John was with Jesus for three and a half years, and he saw Jesus' glory when Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. And Jesus opened the ears of deaf people. And John saw people who were covered with sores from leprosy suddenly 
look and their, all their sores were gone. Jesus healed them and John saw that. John saw Lazarus raised from the dead after he had been buried for four days. John saw Jesus' glory when Jesus Himself rose physically from the dead. John saw Jesus' glory when Jesus loved the outcast. John saw Jesus' glory when Jesus forgave a woman caught in the act of adultery. John saw Jesus' glory when He ate with sinners. He saw Jesus' glory when He took a few loaves and a few fishes and multiplied them and fed thousands and thousands of people. John saw Jesus' glory for three and a half years, especially after He rose from the dead. And it says He saw Jesus' glory as of the only Son of the Father. Jesus John saw that Jesus' glory was not some merely human glory. It was glory as of the only Son of the Father. Jesus wasn't just a dynamic speaker. Jesus wasn't just some dynamic religious leader who persuaded people. He, was, he had the glory as of the only Son of the Father. John got a glimpse of that glory and he wrote it down so that we could see that glory through what He wrote. And we could believe in Jesus. And so John 21-25 says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And then John wrote, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So, if you want to catch a glimpse of Jesus' glory, and I know you do, or you wouldn't be here this morning, read the Bible. It was written so that we could see the glory of God. John wrote the book of John so that we could see the glory of Jesus like He did. We can see something of God's glory in in the Bible that we can't see anywhere else. You know, we can see the glory of God. Like I said, when you look at nature, when you see a sunset, when you see... uh, a beautiful forest or the Grand Canyon, but I've thought about this. You know, people have said to me things over the years like, you know, I, I, don't, need, I don't need to read the Bible. I, I can experience God out in the woods. And I, I think, well, yeah, there's some measure of the glory of God. The earth is full of the glory of God. You can see, but you, you can't look at the Grand Canyon and know that God is merciful and forgives sins. You can't go up into White's Woods and, and look at a tree growing and realize that God is infinitely holy. You can't look at nature. You can't look at a, a monarch butterfly and know that God is infinitely holy and yet paid for your sins and is merciful and kind. So, The only way we can know so many things about God's glory is through His Word. This is the revelation of God's glory that we have that we can behold in our lifetimes. 
So I would encourage you to, to read God's Word. And so John says, we have seen His glory. And he says, Jesus is full of grace and truth. He says, we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the ultimate manifestation of God's grace. What is God's grace? God's grace, this is God's grace. It's His free, undeserved, unmerited, merciful kindness by which God turns us to Christ and saves us and keeps us and strengthens us and makes us more and more like Christ. It's all by God's grace. A shorter version of that would be God's free and undeserved merciful kindness. Free. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't get it by being good. We don't get it by trying to, to give money to the poor or whatever. God's grace is a gift. Free, undeserved, merciful kindness. And it says, John says, Jesus is full of grace. And Jesus says, come to Me for grace. Come to Me for free and undeserved, merciful kindness. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 He says, Come to Me. Come to Me. Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy and My burden is light. Jesus says, Come to Me. I'm the fullness of grace. I'll give you everything you need. Come to Me in any temptation. I've been through it. I can sympathize. I'll give you all the grace. I'm the fullness of grace. Why do we wait? Why do we not come to God when we're struggling? My wife, Christy, helps me to do this because I forget to come to God at times for grace. This week I was trying to do something on my laptop. I'm sitting there and, and uh, I said, Ah! Ow! And Christy said, What? I said, this, this new thing I'm trying to do, this program I just downloaded, it's not working. And she said, Well, did you pray? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times she has done that over the years. And I said, uh, no. <laughs> and she said, well, can I pray for you? I said, sure. So uh, she prayed for me and I prayed along with her. And within three seconds after she prayed, this thing worked. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I have failed. And, and that's, that's really nothing. But so many times in, in, in life, I just fail to go to God for grace. And He's waiting with open arms. No matter what I'm going through, He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. If you, if, if, if you say, well, my, 
My sins are too great. No, they're not. He paid for them on the cross. If you say, well, I'm too weak. No, you're not. We're all too weak. Jesus is waiting for us to come to Him with every burden, everything we've got. He's full of grace. And He's also, John says, He's the fullness of God's truth. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father. Full, full of grace and truth. Do you want to know the truth about what God is like and how to know and enjoy God? Do you want to know the truth about life and how to live? Jesus is the fullness of God's truth. The more we know Jesus, the more we know the truth. Because He is the fullness of grace and truth. John said to Thomas, doubting Thomas, he said to Thomas in John 14, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If you had known Me, you would have known My Father also. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to build my life on some man-made philosophy. I don't want to build my life on some man-made ideas that may or may not be true. I don't, I don't want to die and go to heaven and, say, and, and, and see, have God say to me, you know what? All that you were living for was a lie. I want to know the truth. I want to build my life on the truth. And Jesus is the truth. I don't want to stake my eternity on men's ideas or even on my own ideas. And there's all kinds of philosophies out there. There's all kinds of people saying this is what life is all about. There's all kinds of people saying this is what you need to believe. Jesus is the truth. And John saw that. John witnessed that again and again. John recorded the words of Jesus so that we can know the truth. He walked with Jesus every day for three years. John says, for three years I listened to His teachings. We watched Him heal the sick and raise the dead. John was there. I watched Him die on the cross. And John went to the tomb on the third day and he saw the grave clothes laying there that Jesus left behind when He rose. And John says, I was there after He rose. I saw Him eat and drink. I spent time with Him after He rose from the dead. He had a, he had a physical body. And I was there. And I watched Jesus ascend into heaven with my own eyes. We have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. And this is what is so incredible. We can see Jesus' glory in this lifetime. And then someday we will see it in all His radiance. As I mentioned earlier, we see Jesus' glory in Scripture. When we read the Bible, we see Jesus' glory. When we sing songs together, 
to the Lord based upon His Word, when we worship together, we are experiencing a taste of His glory. When we pray to Jesus, when we turn our spiritual eyes upon Him, we are beholding His glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is this life. In this life, we, with unveiled face, in other words, no hindrances to come to God because of what Jesus did, beholding the glory of the Lord as we read His Word, as we pray, as we worship Him, as we encourage one another to believe in Jesus. We're being transformed into Jesus' image. And someday, someday, John tells us, we who believe in Jesus Christ will gaze upon Jesus' glory full on with our own eyes. We will probably see the seraphim flying around the throne covering their eyes and we will be gazing on God with our eyes open on the face of Jesus. So John tells us in 1 John 3, 2, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. Our new heavenly bodies with heavenly eyes that can look upon the face of Jesus But we know that when He appears, when Jesus returns, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. We shall see Jesus as He is in His full radiance and glory. I can't even imagine that. When we enter into heaven, When we enter into heaven and we see Jesus in all His glory, we will fall on our faces. We will sing His praise for 10,000 years at His glory. And then Jesus will say, oh, you thought that was good. How about this? And we'll we'll fall on our faces and worship Him and praise His glory for another 10,000 years. And then Jesus will say, oh, you thought that was good. How about this? Because Jesus' glory is infinite, we will never ever get tired of seeing it. We will never ever stop being amazed and astounded by His glory. Because His glory is infinite. There will always be aspects of Jesus' glory that we haven't seen yet. Forever and ever and ever. And He longs. Jesus longs for every single one in this room to see and enjoy His glory. If you have never called out to Jesus to forgive your sins and to save you, I would encourage you to do that today. And we'll just we'll 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 stand and we'll pray. And if anybody wants, I will I will say a prayer that you could say to receive Jesus. I'm not going to call you to walk up to the front or anything like that. 
Bible says that whoever, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you believe that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and you're willing to receive Him as your Lord and King and Master and, and obey Him, if you're willing to do that, but, but if you believe who He is and call upon Him, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so... I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to pray to that. So why don't we do that? Let's, let's stand up. Let's have the worship team come. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You. Jesus, we thank You that You are God. And You humbled Yourself infinitely and became a man. And we thank You that You revealed Your glory to us and to John, and to the disciples, and that they recorded that for us. We just, Lord, we want to bring You glory with our lives. We want to obey You. We want to follow You. We want to serve You. Help us to bring You glory because You are worthy of all glory and praise. And if anyone is here and you would like you would want to cry out to Jesus right now, you can say this prayer. Just, you can just say it to the Lord quietly as, as, as we pray. Lord Jesus, I believe You are God. I believe You are Lord of lords and King of kings. I trust You and I want You and I ask You and I call upon You to be my Lord and to forgive all my sins and to wash me with Your blood. I believe You paid for my sins with Your blood. I believe You rose from the dead. I believe You ascended to heaven and are Lord of lords. Jesus, come and be my Lord. Help me to follow You with all my heart all the days of my life. I ask You to please wash me clean and give me eternal life as You have promised. I believe in You. I trust in You. And I want to turn away from everything but You, Lord. I ask in Your name, Jesus. And Lord, we all ask. We all ask that we would just see more and more of Your glory in our lifetime. That this Christmas, Lord, that we would reflect and we would think about Your glory in becoming a man coming to earth. And we ask that You would help us to bring You glory all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.